Lord, and the cry of our heart. Pray that the Lord will show us His way. Amen. Well, we'll continue our journey through the book of Ephesians tonight. And uh, we're going to actually look at one verse out of the book of Ephesians tonight. One verse out of chapter 5, verse 15. Ephesians 5, 15. Paul writes, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. See that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. Father, help us tonight. Lord, as we look at this passage of Scripture, as we look at, at every phrase, as we look at what it, what it says to us tonight, realizing, Lord, there's so much that's very practical and relevant about Your Word. And we can, uh, we can apply it to our lives. And I pray we will tonight as we look at this verse. As we continue to think about how You would have us to walk, even as we just sang just a moment ago. Let us walk in Your ways. So, Father, open our eyes tonight. Let us see. Open our ears that we might hear what You have for Your people tonight. We thank You for what You're going to do. And we pray that as we leave this place tonight, we'll leave change different than when we came. We love you, Father, and thank you. What's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we walk through the book of Ephesians on this journey, we're not going to skip anything. We're not going to skip over anything. Everything that we read everything that we see, everything that we hear is applicable to who we are, and it speaks to all of us. I read a story where Billy Graham preached at the Southern Baptist Convention back in, I think it was 1995. And while he was at the convention, uh, while he was there visiting the convention, he went to uh, the hospital on one of those days that he was there and he walked in the hospital, and as he was going down the hall, he said that he saw a man skipping down the hallway of the hospital. He had his hospital gown on, and this man was just skipping down the hall. And he thought, man, what in the world is going on with this guy? So the guy kept coming toward him. Finally, he got to where Billy Graham was, and, 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 and Billy said he stopped him and said, sir, he said, he said, he said what are you doing? And why are you skipping? He said, well, he said, my doctor told me to do it. He told me in my medication, he said, if you just, what you do is you'll take one pill a day, skip a day, and then take another pill. So he was on his skip day, amen? But as we go through the Word of God and we go through Ephesians, we're not going to skip anything, okay? We're not going to jump over it, all right? We're going to touch on it as we go through it. So, again, think about what we've read tonight as we look at verse 15. Okay, one verse. Verse 15. Now to help us understand what Paul's saying, let's really look at that phrase, that, it, that you walk. Verse 15. See then that you walk. Okay? It's a very important phrase because literally what that means, uh, there's, a, there's a Greek word that describes that we get our word walk from. And it, the, the word is peripatio. That's the word we get it from. We get the word walk. And that word literally means, it literally talks about a walking teacher. That's what that word means. Okay, that's what that phrase talks about. It's talking about walking and living your life so that others may learn from you. Okay? So he says, he says see then that you walk. See that as a walking teacher, you walk carefully. That's a great word for us tonight. As you walk, as you're a walking teacher, walk carefully. Don't walk as fools, but walk as wise. And we're going to look at that tonight. Just what does that mean? How can we do that? How does that speak to us tonight? I think you'll all agree that we are living in evil days. We'll agree with that, won't we? I think all of us can look around and see that the days in which we live are evil. In fact, he, he mentions that in verse 16. We're going to look at that a little later on, not tonight, but in, a, in the next message. And there are probably times when you 
And I know there's been times when I felt like it'd just be good just just kind of get away from all this junk that's going on in the world. Wouldn't it be nice sometimes where you could just go off in some secluded island and, and get away from all of it? But you know what? We can't do that, can we? It's kind of like the, the woman who, who had, uh, had some small children and one of her friends noticed that you know, the children were kind of unruly and so she bought this, uh, her friend, she bought her a playpen to put these children in so she could kind of keep up with them. Well, she got a thank you note from her friend, from the one that received the, uh, the, the one received the playpen, wrote her friend back and thanked her for getting her that playpen. She said, I want you to know, I really appreciate you getting me that playpen. She said, I can get in there and stay all day and my children can't even get to me. So wouldn't it be nice to be able to get away and just say, you know what, man, I'm just going to forget about the world, I'm going to forget about all the evil and all the things that are going on, and I'm just going to just, just have a good time. But folks, listen, we can't do that. And, and Paul's readers understood they couldn't get away from the evil. They couldn't get away from all the things that they were facing in the world. They had to deal with it. And so we have to deal with it as well. But how do we do that? How are we going to deal with all the things that we see in our world today? Somebody said this, if someone had written down uh, uh, in a book the things that would happen in America, nobody would have believed it. But here's the, here's the truth about it. Somebody has written it down. Okay. It has been written in a book, and it's called the Bible. Okay. We know what the world's going to be. We know that the Bible tells us that things are going to get worse. They're not going to get better. The days are going to become more evil, and we're going to have to deal with it until Jesus Christ comes. We're going to have to walk carefully. We're going to have to live carefully. We're going to have to be walking teachers carefully in this world today in which we live. So you can't get away from it. But I want us to see what Paul says concerning these, uh, this, this admonition that he gives us here in verse 15. See then that you walk carefully. Okay? See then that you walk carefully. Now here's the first thing we need to see. Why walk carefully? Why walk carefully? He said we need to, but why do we need to walk carefully? Now, as we, as we think about that question, I want you to think about our world today. There are, a lot of, there are a lot of traps, there are a lot of snares in our world today. In fact, we were, uh, Steve Scott and I were talking a little bit today about that very thing. Now, there are so many things out there in the world today that, that would ensnare us, that would trap us, that would bring us down. And as I thought about that, I thought about, in fact, I looked, on, uh, I looked up uh, booby traps in Vietnam. I was in the Marines during the Vietnam era. I was fortunate I didn't have to go. But I talked to a lot of my friends who went to Vietnam during that time. And they said one of the worst things that they had to deal with while they were there were booby traps. So I went online and I pulled up booby traps in Vietnam. And I was going to show some of those to you tonight just to, just to kind of get you to thinking about what kind of world we live in and the kind of traps that are set for us. But some of them were so gruesome and, and, and gory, I couldn't do that. But I'm telling you that tonight, if, if we think about the traps and the snares that Satan sets for us, it would scare us to death if we really knew all that was out there. There's some things that we don't even, we're not even aware of that are there. That's why we need to walk carefully. Okay? That's why we need to be very careful how we live this life that we're in today. Because there are snares, there are traps, there are things out there that, that are waiting for you and me as Christians. Okay? But why are they there? Okay? Why are they there? Why walk carefully? Let's answer that question tonight by looking at several things. First of all, the devil wants to destroy you. How many of you believe that tonight? Amen? The devil wants to destroy you tonight. Okay, he will do that any way he possibly can. Because he is our enemy, alright? The devil's not our friend, okay? He may, he may try to make you think he's your friend. He might, he might, he may try to show you things that you could be involved in that, that he would say would not harm you, would not hurt you, but he's lying, okay? Because he is our enemy, and he literally wants to destroy you. He exists for that purpose, to wreak havoc on the child of God. I believe that. He exists to do that for us. He wants to destroy your family. He wants to do whatever He can to harm you. Okay? 
Now, he can't have you. He knows that. Okay. If you're a child of God, now he can't have you, but he can harm you. He can't hurt you. Okay. He can hurt your witness. He can hurt your testimony. And he can cause you to be, be ineffective as a believer. So he wants to destroy you. The devil is out to destroy you. The Bible says that you resist the devil and he will flee. So when he comes to you with temptations, when he comes to you and tries to, to bring you down, when he comes to you to try to harm you, you resist him. You, you quote the word of God to him. You tell him to get behind you, that you, you are more powerful than him in Jesus Christ. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You have more power than Satan if you're in Jesus Christ and he is in you. And so you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But I'm telling you, the devil is out to destroy you. That's why he exists, to destroy you. But here's something else. Not only is the devil out to destroy you, but the world wants to defile you. Okay, Have you thought about that lately? What the world wants to do to you? Wants to defile you. Now you think about all the, all the things that you see on TV, all the things that you hear on, on the radio, all the things that you see on the Internet, all the things that you're exposed to in this world today. And you can very quickly pick up on the fact that the world wants to defile you. Now, when we're talking about the world, we're not talking about the people. We're not talking about individuals here. But what we're talking about is the, the ungodly philosophies that are out there in our society. The, the anti-Christian teaching and philosophy that's out there in the world today. Those things want to defile you. They want to bring you down. They want to, they want to make you dirty. Okay. They want to cause you to fall. They want to cause you to fail. That's what John meant when he said this in 1 John 2, 15. He said, do not love the world or anything in the world. Now, he wasn't talking about people. We know that. He's not talking about love, not loving people, not loving each other. But he's talking about don't love the things of the world, the philosophies, the teachings of this world that are out there to defile you and bring you down. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Pretty clear. So be careful how you live in this world. And again, Steve and I were talking again. And we were talking about the world, living in the world, but not being of the world. It's like being in the water, but you don't need the water in you. You know what I'm saying? Because if the water gets in you, what's going to happen? You're going to drown. If the world gets in you, you'll become defiled. Okay? You'll become defiled. You'll become dirty. You'll become useless to the kingdom of God. But the world wants to defile you, and the devil wants to destroy you. That's why you need to walk carefully. What else does what else what else would we need to be careful of today? What else do we need to be aware of? What else do we need to understand that's going on around us? We need to be careful of the flesh. You see, not only the devil, not only the world, but the flesh. Because you see, the flesh wants to defeat you. What are we talking about when we say the flesh? We've, talk, we've been discussing that for weeks now as we've been going through the book of Ephesians. We talk about the flesh. We talk about the old man, the old nature that's there in you. Okay, That old nature, that old man, that flesh wants to defeat you. And it works on us all the time. I don't know about you, but I deal with the flesh all the time. Do you? Do you have a problem with the flesh? That old nature? I mean, it always wants to rear its ugly head. It always wants to try to defeat me. I mean, you think about there's some. Think about how it works, how the flesh works. Many of you here tonight understand what I'm saying because because you deal with it. Because we know that even as Jesus told his disciples in the in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he went to the garden with Peter, James, and John. And he told them, guys, listen, he said, I want, you to, I want you to stay here. I want you to watch and pray. And you remember he went away to pray, came back, and they were asleep. He woke them up. He said, guys, listen, you need to pray. You need to pray so that you won't fall into temptation. But do you remember what Jesus said to them? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, Jesus knew that, that, that these men were, were, were being tested by the flesh. He knew that they were struggling with that same struggle. And, and we know, we understand that struggle that is within us. We know what Jesus meant when He talked about 
the, the spirit being willing, but the flesh is weak. I mean, the Lord will come to you, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and He'll, he'll begin to impress something on you that you need to do for, for someone else in the area of ministry. And, and you know that it's right. You know that you need to be doing it, but the flesh will rise up and say, listen, you don't need to do that. If you do that, it'll benefit them, and you won't get any benefit from it. I mean, if you, if you do that, listen, somebody else will get the glory for it. You won't get the glory for it. You don't need to do it. Let somebody else do it. That's the flesh talking. That's the flesh. That's that battle that goes on within us. The flesh is trying to defeat you. He's trying to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. So that struggle is very, very real. The battle between the flesh and the Spirit happens all the time. How many of you ever made a commitment to the Lord? You know what? Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin my quiet time tomorrow. I'm going to start reading my Bible and I'm going to start praying tomorrow. And you know you've made that commitment. Man, the, the, the Spirit is willing. But next morning, 6 o'clock rolls around. You set the clock for 6 I'm going to get up early so I can do it before I go to work. And the clock goes off and, and you start thinking, man, this bed sure does feel good. Man, it is, it's 15 degrees out there. I don't want to get out of this bed. What's happening? Hey, the flesh is telling you, listen, you just lay right there. Don't get up. It'll do, listen, you'll be much better off if you just get another hour of sleep. Don't worry about getting up and reading your Bible. Don't worry about spending time in prayer with the Lord. What's that? What's happening? That battle between the flesh and the Spirit is happening in your life. Folks, I'm telling you, the, the, spirit, the spirit is battling at all times. The flesh and the Spirit are always at one another because the flesh wants to defeat you. And you know what? Many times He does. Many times the flesh wins over. And we don't do what God wants us to do. We don't go where He wants us to go. We don't witness that person like we ought to. We don't read our Bible like we ought to because the flesh has won. Has it ever won in your life? Why walk carefully? Why be so concerned? Why is Paul so, so, so adamant about walking carefully, living our lives carefully? Because he knows what's out there. He knows what's out there. God knows what's out there. He knows what you're facing. And he said, listen, live your life carefully. Then he goes on to say, not as fools. Not as fools. Walk carefully. Not as fools. He said, there's, there's, some, there's some people that were not to walk like, live like. Not pattern our lives after. Would have not walk like fools. Well, how does a foolish person walk? How do they walk? Let's think about that for just a moment tonight. How do they walk? Now, I'm not calling anybody here a fool tonight. Because the Bible says you're not supposed to do that. Okay? So I'm not going to call you a fool. But what I'm going to do is we're going to look at the Word of God. And see what the Word of God has to say about it. Okay? That way you won't have to you won't you won't leave here tonight and say, Man, the preacher called me a fool. I'm not going to do that. But how does the word of God describe a foolish person's life? How does the word describe that life? Well, a foolish person lives a certain way. Okay? A foolish person lives a certain way. Now again, I want you to I want you to consider your life tonight. I've had to consider my life even in preparation for this message tonight. If we're not careful, we'll be walking as foolish people walk. But how does a foolish person walk? What are some things about them that we can see? First of all, the Bible tells us that a, that a fool lives as if there is no God. Okay? A fool lives their lives as if, as if there is no God. A fool does. In fact, the Bible says in, in Psalm 14, 1, I want you to turn with me because this is a, we all, you know, we quote this passage of Scripture a lot. We say, you know, we, we quote the first, especially the first part of that verse, we quote a lot, okay? Psalm 14, 1, the Bible says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. We say that a lot, and that's where we stop, okay? That's where we stop. But now, you need to understand something about that, that phrase or that first part of that verse, 
You see, in the original language, the fool has said in his heart, no God. That's what it says. Okay? There is is not there. Some of your Bibles have there is in that uh, italicized words. What that means is in the original language, those words are not there. Okay? So that literally means the fool has said in his heart, no God. Now, did you notice the Bible didn't say that he said it in his head? Okay? Doesn't say that he says in his head there is no God or no God, but he says in his heart, no God. Now, what does that tell you about a fool, a person who, who says this? First of all, he does, listen, he doesn't have an intellectual problem. You know, people today call themselves atheists. Okay? But I don't believe there's, I, I don't believe there's really a, a true atheist in the world today. You see, it's not intellectual, it's moral. That's the problem they have. That's why I said the fool said in his heart, no God. It's not an intellectual problem. It's not, not believing or understanding that there's a God. It's the fact that they don't want to believe or understand that there's a God. Because they have moral issues. Okay. But look what it goes on to say. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. A foolish person lives as if there is no God. A person like this, listen, does not have a real problem with God. Let me explain what I'm saying. Let me use this illustration. How many of you have ever been to a place and you've sat down to a wonderful meal and, you, and the food was wonderful? As a matter of fact, you, you went back for seconds. And I mean, you just got your belly full and then it was, the food was great. And you just sat there and you were sitting at the table just talking to the friends and the waiter comes up and he brings the dessert tray. And he shows you all those beautiful desserts on that tray. You ever been to a restaurant where they do that? They bring them out and they got five or six. And then they got a big old piece of chocolate cake and apple pie with, with uh, 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 what is it, uh, Briar's bean. What kind of bean ice cream is that, Briar's ice cream? What kind? Vanilla bean ice cream. Yeah, man. I mean, and, oh, cheesecake, man. They got all these beautiful looking desserts on that platter. And you're sitting there and you're looking at the, oh, man. I am so full. And then you say, no dessert. No dessert. Now, does that mean that the dessert does not exist? Nope. Doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Does it mean that that dessert wouldn't be wonderful? Nope. Doesn't mean that. What does it mean? It just means that it's not for you. You don't want any. Okay. So when a person says in his heart, no God, that's what he's saying. He's not saying that God doesn't exist. He's not saying that, that God wouldn't be the best thing for him. He's just saying, God is not for me. He's not for me. You see, folks, it's a heart issue. It's not a head issue. And a fool lives as if there's no God. But now, what, is it, what else do we know about People who, who, are, who are foolish. Not only do they live as, there's, as if there's no God, a fool lives as if there's no sin. As if there's no sin. Think about that for a moment. Once again, we're reminded of the times in which we live. There are people all around us who live as if there is no sin. I mean, they're living their lives like they have, they have nothing to be accountable for. They'll never give an account for their lives. That's how they live. In our culture, we take sin and try to clean it up. We try to make it look good. We try to make it sound good. So it won't be, you know, it won't, won't be so harsh. Don't be so hard on them, preacher. Don't be so difficult. Don't, don't be so blunt. Don't be so forward in talking about sin. People don't want to hear about sin. You're right, they don't. But just because they want to live their lives as, as if no sin, does that mean that sin doesn't exist? Does that mean that sin is not real? No. We can't clean it up. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You can't change it. Sin is sin. Wrong is wrong. Right is right. Amen? There are moral absolutes today. 
in our society. People are living as if we'll never have to give an account. But I want you to listen to Proverbs verse, chapter 10, verse 23. Listen, this is the kind of person we're talking about. They live as if there's no sin. Proverbs 10, 23 says, It is a sport to a fool to do evil. It is a sport to a fool to do evil. But a man of understanding hath wisdom. It's a sport. And that's kind of the attitude that people have about sin today, isn't it? I mean, you know what? Hey, you can, you can play with it. You can get around it. You can take part in it. It's just a sport. I mean, it's just something you do. I mean, I, I, everybody's doing it. Our society's doing it. My neighbor's doing it. People down at the church are doing it. What's wrong with me doing it? Living like as if there is no sin. That's what, that's what the Bible says a fool does. It's a sport to them. They make light of it. Don't take it seriously. But if I read my Bible, there's going to be a day of reckoning for every person. If I read my Bible correctly, there's coming a day when we're going to stand and give an account. But the Bible says there's another characteristic of a person who lives foolishly. And this person lives as if there is no judgment. I alluded to that just a moment ago. As if there is no judgment. No God. Hey, it makes sense, right? Think about it. No God. No sin. What have I got to be judged for? What have I got to be held accountable for? No God, no sin, no judgment. And again, that's where we are today in society. That's where we are today in our world. No God, no sin, no judgment. But the Bible says in Hebrews 9.27, it's appointed unto man once to die. And after that, there's nothing else. It's not what it says, is it? It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Okay? Can't be any clearer. There is a God, there is sin, there is judgment. Folks, the world needs to hear it. The world needs to hear it and the world needs to understand it. There is a God, there is sin, there is judgment. You can't live like you want to and expect to get away with it. Hey, you may get away with it now, but I'm telling you, there will come a day when it will be all over. And you'll not get away with it any longer. I can assure you of two things tonight. You're going to die as one of them. We're all going to die. Number two, I can assure you there's going to be a judgment. And I do that on the authority of the Word of God. Because the Word of God teaches me that. People without Jesus Christ will die and they will be judged. I read this fable Points it out perfectly what we're talking about. I want you to listen real quick. I'll read quick, you listen quick. There's a fable about a king. One of his favorite persons in his court was the jester. This court jester always acted the fool and was always sharing riddles with the king. And 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 the and the and the king was fairly affectionate toward this jester. I mean he kind of you know, he, he kind of took it, you know, as he shared these riddles with him. The king was not feeling well, and he went to the royal physician, who told him that they didn't know what his problem was, but they didn't think he was going to live much longer, so he should prepare to die. The king told him not to tell anybody, and he wasn't going to tell anybody. He gathered his court around him, and he began to give gifts to his favorite people. To the court jester, he gave his golden scepter, he said to the jester, Here, jester, I give you my golden scepter. Keep it until you find someone who is a bigger fool than you are, then give it to them. Then he said, Jester, I have a riddle for you. I'm going on a journey. I don't know where I'm going, and I don't know how long I'll be there. The court jester said, 
Have you made any preparations for the trip? King said, no, I've not made any preparations for this trip. Then the jester got serious for once and he handed the scepter back to the king and he said, King, you're going to die. And here, take this scepter because he would be, he who would face death without making preparations is the biggest fool of all. That's true, isn't it? See, there are people who are living in this world today who, who don't believe there's a God, who don't believe there's any sin, and who don't believe there's any judgment. And they're making no preparations to die. Making no preparations. And I, I feel like this fable points out the biggest fool in the world is the, is the one who does not make preparations for death. You say, well, I'm, I'm too young. I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to die anytime soon. Who says you're not? I'm too young to be preparing to die. No, you're not. No, you're not. No matter what age you are here tonight, you're not too young to prepare. You say, well, what in the world can I do to prepare to die? Let me tell you what you can do to prepare. You can get your heart and life right with Jesus Christ. Okay? The best preparation you can make tonight is to have a personal relationship with Jesus, trusting Him as your personal Savior. And you'll be prepared. You won't have to worry about it when you die because you'll know where you're going and you're also going to know how long you're going to stay. Man, I know how, I know where I'm going. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad if you're here tonight, you know, you know where you're going? Praise the Lord. Man, that's a great feeling. And I know how long I'm staying. <laughs> I've already got a mansion prepared. Amen. It's already ready. The angels are making up the bed now. I can see it. They're just making the bed, getting it ready. I've got a beautiful place I'm going to live forever. You know why, though? I've made preparation. I made preparation over 30 years ago for this trip. My prayer for you tonight is I hope you've made preparation. I hope you're not living so foolishly tonight that you're saying, you know what, I don't need to prepare to die. Because I'm going to live, I'm going to live a long time. I'm, I'm too young. Hey, listen, go ahead and make preparation. Don't put it off. Go ahead and do it. And I praise the Lord for those 13 young people who came forward Sunday morning. They made preparation by giving their hearts to Jesus. Teenagers, man, that's awesome. And we don't know how many more. I'm sure there were some more. Sheila told me there were a couple girls came down and when they heard they were going to have to say their name to everybody, they went back and sat down again. <laughs> I told her, I said, you know, I didn't know all those folks' names. There's no way I could tell everybody their name. But you know what? Hey, they still made preparation. Just because they didn't stand up here and tell you their name. They prepared. They accepted Christ as their Savior. But the sad truth is there are thousands, even millions of people who are living like they will never die. They're living like fools. Living like fools. That's how a fool lives. No God. No sin. No judgment. But how does a wise person live? Let's think about that for a moment. Because remember, look what, what, look what he said. Verse 15, See then that you walk carefully, not as fools, but as wise. How does a wise person walk? Real quick tonight. Now, to answer this question, I want you to go with me to Genesis, the Old Testament. Let's go back to the Genesis, and let's go to chapter 5. I want you to go back with me to that, because we're going to answer that question tonight. You know the song we sang a while ago? Uh, talked about uh, teaching me how to walk with you. Okay, how does a wise person live? How does a wise person walk? A wise person walks with God. Okay, walks with God. Genesis chapter five. Most of you know the story tonight, but I want to show you something as we go through this, this, uh, these next few verses here. Here's an amazing thing. The Bible talks about. If you read chapter four and five here in Genesis, you get the you, you, you know you start reading all these begets, so and so begets, so and so, and you know you get all these names. And you, if you're like me, I can't pronounce all these names. 
So I just say hard name begat hard name. You know? Just read through it kind of like that. Because I don't like to say, I don't know, I can't say them half the time anyway. But I got down here and I began to read in verse 18. The Bible says, And Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. And Jared lived after he begat Enoch 800 years and begat sons and daughters. And what he's talking about is they just had, he had, you know, his, him and his wife had a baby and his name was Enoch. And then they had some more kids. They begat some more. Okay. And all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. And Enoch lived 60 and 5 years and begat Methuselah. Okay, there's a name we recognize. Methuselah. And Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enoch were 360 and 5 years. Now look at verse 24. Remember, how does a wise person walk? A wise person walks with God. Now look what, look what this verse says. And Enoch walked with God. And the Bible says he was not, for God took him. Now, we're going to look at the rest of that in just a minute, but think about it for just a moment. Keep your finger there. Let me put this over here. I don't want to lose it. Okay, now, think about, think about how a wise person lives, okay? How a wise person walks. The Bible says Enoch walked with God. Now, what does that mean? It means that Enoch had such a special relationship with God. They, I mean, they walked together. And, you know, how can, how can two walk together unless they agree? Okay. So obviously we know that, that Enoch agreed very closely with God. And they had a, a great relationship. For the Bible says that, that Enoch didn't even die. That God just took him. Wouldn't that be a way to go? Wouldn't you have to have such a, an awesome relationship with Jesus Christ tonight that He would just take you? Well, guess what? It might happen. Man, I hope it does. I hope I don't have to die. I don't know about you, but I don't want to die. I mean, you know, after you die, I mean, you know, people talk about, oh, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be put in the ground, you know, and all that stuff. <laughs> what difference does it make? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to be there. But suppose you do have to die. Okay, your body goes in the ground. Your spirit goes to be with the Lord. Oh, by the way, son, I'm telling you. Whew. Man, let me, let me look around here a minute. I went to a funeral this week. And I've never heard anything like it. This preacher stood up there and he talked about sleeping, the body being asleep, and, and not really knowing if you're going to be in heaven or not until your body's reunited with your spirit. Son, I like to have, I like to, have to stood up in that funeral. It was all I could do to sit there telling you and he kept talking about hope he said i hope i'm saved he said i don't know about he said i how can i tell somebody else i don't even know about myself son you gotta be kidding i don't even know about myself and i don't know about sister so-and-so but i hope she was that's sad folks that's sad. Where was I anyway? Why did I get off on that? What was I talking about? Being in the ground. That's right. Enoch didn't die. Okay. Bible says he was not. God took him. So we're talking about a real close, special relationship with God, and we continue. You know, we continue to walk with God. And we grow and we, we become more like Jesus Christ and His Spirit guides us and He directs our lives and, and we're just walking with God, man. 
we got that relationship. That's how a wise man walks. Okay? That's how a wise man lives. He walks with God. She walks with God. She serves God. She lives for God. She allows God to live through and work through her or him. And he's part of our lives every day, close as a brother. Walking with God. But let me ask you a question when we talk about walking with God. Why walk with God? Why should we walk with God? Moms, dads, grandmas, granddads, young people, why should we walk with God? Well, there's a couple of reasons. Then we're going to show you from Genesis. First of all, we, we ought to walk with God because of our family. Okay? Because of our family. Now, Enoch had a responsibility to his family. All right? We'll go back there and I want, you, I want to show you something from the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 5. He had a responsibility to his family. Okay? The Bible says that, that he begat Methuselah and he had other sons and daughters. So Enoch had a family, right? So Enoch walked with God because of his family. He had a responsibility to, to be an example to his family, to show them how they ought to live, to show them how they ought to walk, to show them how they ought to talk. Okay? He was an example to his family. Now, what that tells me tonight is one of the reasons we ought to walk with God is because of our families. Okay? As a father, as a husband... I ought to walk with God because I have a responsibility to my wife. I have a responsibility to my children. I have a responsibility to my grandchildren to show them what a man of God looks like and how a man of God walks with God. I have that responsibility. If you're here tonight and you're married or you're single, it doesn't really matter. You have a family. If you didn't have a family, you wouldn't be here. So you have a responsibility to your family. If you're a Christian here tonight, your responsibility is to, is to walk with God. Show your family what it is to walk with God. I'm thinking about some of these teenagers and talking with them that came forward Sunday morning. Some of them's parents don't go to church. Some of them are not saved. And you know what? We tell them, look, you can be an example to your mom and dad. Show them how you walk with God. And maybe God will use that to, to show them their need for Jesus in their heart. But Enoch walked with God because of his family. He had a responsibility to him. Now, parents here tonight, here's a question. Do your kids see you walking with God? Do they see you walking with God? When they see your life, do they, do they know God is real? Or do, they, or do they see you as a phony, as a hypocrite? See? Walk with God. A wise person walks with God because of their family. And the responsibilities that we have to them. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, you walk with God. Okay? Now does that mean you're never going to sin? No, it doesn't mean that at all. You're going to sin? Why? Because remember, we're dealing with the flesh. There's a battle going on. We're going to sin. But praise the Lord, we can go to Jesus. We can ask forgiveness from those sins. And He will forgive us and He'll cleanse us from those sins. Okay? But we walk with God because of our family. Now, you say, what does that have to do with Enoch? Let me show you something. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. He walked with God because of his family. Okay? He had a family. And Methuselah lived 187 years and beget Lamech. By the way, how many of you know what the name Methuselah means? One. How many of you know what it means? Bobby, what does it mean? Okay. When he is gone, there's another part to it, it will come. Now listen, remember he cares, he, he lives, walks with God because of his family, but he also lives with God, uh, walks with God because of the future. Alright, here's the lineage. Enoch equals Methuselah. Methuselah equals Lamech. And Lamech equals Noah. 
All right, let's see. See if I'm right. Verse 26, And Methuselah lived after he begat Lamech 780 and two years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Methuselah were 969 years and he died. Now, that is an important number. Okay, I'm going to show you something in a minute. Some of you may have never seen this before. And you're going to be excited because you learned something tonight you didn't know. So Methuselah lived how long? 969 years. And the Bible says, and he died. Okay? Then in verse 28, it says, And Lamech lived 182 years and begat a son. What was his son's name? He called his son's name Noah. That's right. Noah. Now, remember I said he cared for his, he walked with God because, he, because of his family. He walked with God because of his future. Now, we need to know that Enoch, many, 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 many years prior to this great event, knew what was going to happen. By the way, that's why he named his son Methuselah. When he is gone, it will come. Okay? And Methuselah lived 969 years. Now, let's do a little math here. Methuselah lived 187 years and Lamech was born. Right? That's what the Word of God says. 187 years. Alright? Then the Bible says that Lamech lived 182 years and Noah was born. Okay? Now, the Bible tells us in uh, chapter 7, verse 11, that Noah had lived 600 years, and then it came. What was it? The flood. Now, if you add up 187, 182, and 600, what do you get? 969. Now, do, are we here tonight? Do we think that's an accident that, that Enoch named his son Methuselah and that his name meant when he is gone, it will come? Was that an accident? And the fact that he lived 969 years and when he died, the flood came? Now, think about this. Why in the world, okay, who is the, who is, who's, who, who's the man that lived the longest in the whole world? Methuselah. How long did he live? 969 years. Why did he live that long? Why did God let him live just about a thousand years? You know why? Here's why. Because everybody, every, listen, every time somebody met Methuselah, he said, when he is gone, it will come. When he is gone, it will come. And what God was doing was, He was giving the world at that day, at that time, nearly a thousand years to repent. Hey, why did God, why did God destroy the earth? Because of the wickedness of the people of that day. Because they refused to repent. And here Methuselah lived 969 years. God was giving them a chance over and over. When they heard the name, when they met Methuselah, they knew that name meant when he is gone, it will come. What will come? Judgment. The flood will come when he's gone. <laughs> it's not about a spell. God, isn't God awesome? Isn't he awesome? I mean, down to the day. You know what I believe? I believe the day Methuselah died, I believe the rains came. The flood came. Because the Bible says when he is gone, his name means when he is gone, it will come. And he lived 969 years. What a great God we have. What a patient God we have. Friends, listen. I want you to know today we need to live carefully and live wisely for our families and for our future. Here's why. Because I'm telling you, Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming. And I, listen, our, our spouses, our children, they need to see how to walk. They need to see how to live. They need to see how to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ. Because He's coming. Just as, hey, just as sure as the flood came when Methuselah died, Jesus Christ is coming again. 
And we need to be ready. Our children need to be ready. Our grandchildren need to be ready. For it's coming. He's given us every opportunity. So here's a question tonight as we close. Are you walking with God? Are you walking carefully? Are you walking wisely? You're living your life so that others will see Jesus in you. It's a good question, isn't it? Challenging question. But that's what God expects of every born again believer. That we walk wisely, we walk carefully. Not as fools, but as wise. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for the truth, the Word of God. Lord, thank you tonight. You're awesome. And Lord, I pray that people here tonight, including myself, understand the seriousness of walking circumspectly, of walking wisely, of walking carefully, living our lives for Jesus Christ. In a world that seems to have gone crazy, in a world that seems to be falling apart. But yet we know that you are in control. And you have us here for a reason. Just as, just as Enoch named Methuselah for a reason. So that people could understand that judgment was coming. And Father, we need to let people see it and know it. Judgment's coming. People need to be ready. So let us live our lives that people will see Christ and want to know why do you live like you live? Why are you different? What is it that makes you different? And we can tell them Jesus. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Well, it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together tonight.